Welcome to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And today, as it's been smoking hot, mm. uh, it's the time to uh, adjust how we approach meals, right, Sin? It certainly is. When I walked into the kitchen yesterday, I'm like, yeah, this is, I, I think I need to make a cold employee meal because this is pretty brutal. Um, and, and, and really, when we're hot, it definitely drives what we want to eat. There's absolutely no question and even if you're inside in the air conditioning, I think still mentally, you know, because obviously people still go outside, you're, you're like, yeah, I think I need some cucumbers. It's, it's funny. It's one of those <laughs> things that with the, the young chefs, you know, they're learning to order things, you know, and you do this, I'm sure, um, in, instinctively. But summer comes and I'm like, and, and you get a hot week and fish sales go up and soup mm -hmm. sales turn into nothing. You know, it's it's. Mm -hmm. Though somehow magically short rib sales. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, and then, yeah, we'll short sell the heck out of <laughs> fried food is really popular. So, yeah, it, there is some rhyme to it and reason to it. There's also some, you know, people are just going to get what they want to get, which is totally understandable. But much more important than that, I want to talk about the stuff we want to eat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Me too. I'm starving no, no, right now. I mean, when, you th when you think about it, they're like, that's... So I thought it would be useful for us to put together some little scenarios, you know, where, and, and there, there are a couple of rules. You have to, you, you have to work with things in the season. Uh, it has to be set up, it, possible to set up almost like a picnic. Mm -hmm. And it has to have no more than one hot item, because why would you want to heat up more than one thing? Right, right. You well, know? that's and, the other and, thing. And, Do and, we... and it requires a bottle of wine, because otherwise oh, well. you, will not, you will not successfully <laughs> and happily digest it the same way. Yeah, I mean, like, really, right now, who wants to turn on the oven? Absolutely no one. Uh, you know, I mean, and, and we're all, you know, wasting energy right now trying to cool our homes, and the last thing you want to do is make it any hotter than it than it needs to be. So although it is an awfully good time to use the grill outside if you don't mind standing outside in the heat, um, <laughs> you know, so there is that option, which is the one I'm going to use is in our only one thing can be hot thing. Uh, I'm just going to use the outdoor grill. All right. So you do you want to do you want to work on the first scenario and then sure. So the, maybe the rules of engagement should be, one of us has an idea, and then the other one kind of supplements. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, my first thought is because I have two, uh, you know, eight foot garden beds up in the top of my property, um, and they are bursting, absolutely bursting right now. It is amazing. Um, I have uh, a lot of basil. And uh, this is a time to make pesto. So that's what I immediately started thinking about. And I don't have any pine nuts at home, but I do have walnuts. So I was thinking about, you know, why not make a pesto with walnuts instead of pine nuts? Although, don't get me wrong, I absolutely love pine nuts and the pesto. Um, and we're getting wa uh, green garlic from our farmers. So that's, you know, that's a great, uh, that would be fun to use. Yeah, that would be fun to use all three of those things. So if I'm going to make pesto, it's in a food processor, you know, I, I pull my basil, um, take the leaves off of the stem, I don't puree the stem in there. And, you know, I have my walnuts uh, chopped up, you know, you don't have to go too far with the garlic, but I also don't like to put whole pieces in the food processor. Um, so lightly chop up the garlic. Uh, after you've peeled it, of course, and cut the stem end off, and um, and then a good 
olive oil, you don't want something that's crazy strong in flavor. You want a milder olive oil, or you could even use half olive oil, extra virgin olive oil and half corn oil, something to cut it if that's perhaps the only one you have in the house. And you're like, ooh, um, or maybe you like really strong olive oil flavor. You know, maybe you're serving grilled swordfish or something, something that you know, is strong. The the, the right one, the right one for pesto, because it's, you know, it, you think of the sauce classically is pesto genovese, mm -hmm. right? Yes. And the, the Ligurian olive oil that's so charming and for vegetables and fish and lighter mm -hmm. is tagiashi. Yeah, gosh, I so love that. So that's, that's one to look for is an olive oil from Liguria. Sure. And then you need uh, Reggiano and you just, you know, blend everything. And I, I add salt, obviously salt and pepper. Watch your salt, though, because the Reggiano is uh, naturally salty. And um, if your, your nuts, whichever, whichever you are using, uh, may have salt as well. So you may not really have to add any salt, especially if you're on a low salt diet. Um, and then make that. So that's, that's you know, I would like to serve that with a piece of grilled chicken breast, um, you know, completely accessible. Or if you want to keep it totally local, um, when the rockfish season locally opens up, you could do that. Oh my God, it would just be so good with a piece of grilled rockfish. Or if you're in the mood for scallops. So that's that's my first meal I was thinking. And then you can add a vegetable or whatever accompaniment you want to to that. So what are you thinking? Uh, I think I, I also have zucchini coming into my garden and I know that's really uh, all the farmers do too. So, you know, I would do long uh, slices of zucchini that are, you know, probably a quarter of an inch thick on a, a mandolin or a cup of hand either way and um, lightly rub those with oil and salt and pepper. And that could be extra virgin olive oil or you could save it for the finishing and then uh, put those on the grill. They only take like a minute, um, which is nice when you, when you slice them thin. Um, and, uh, and then that could be the accompaniment and that will taste great with the pesto as well. So grilled so almost, chicken almost, breast. Yeah. Basil and, and zucchini like each other. Very much. For, for, for sure. So almost like ribbons of zucchini that you're grilling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, the trick is you have to lay them on there successfully and get them off of there successfully. <laughs> right. You could use tongs to handle them on the grill or uh, a flat spatula. Yeah, I, I think for people to be successful first time out, maybe two sets of tongs <laughs> to okay. lay them down and to pick them up <laughs> is going to, you know, that not everyone is deft as you are with a pair of tongs. I'm certain that you could sign your name with tongs. <laughs> so what wine are we having so, with that, Tony? With a sword, honestly, there, it's, I've got Liguria on the brain, you know, because I'm always like, well, if it grows there, if it grows together, it goes together. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want white, uh, a white wine from uh, a grape called Pigato or um, Vermentino that comes from along that coast or sometimes along the Tuscan coast, um, big, plump, I, I want to say oily, but I mean that in an attractive way, you know, in a, in like it's just really imbued with flavor. Uh, and there's a little bit almost salinity to it. Mm -hmm. uh, and it does well with the with strong herby flavors. So that's that's the grape you're chasing. Sounds good. And one one excellent producer of Pigato is Dorin, D U R I N D U R I N. Okay. That uh, and and they're not big money wines. Those those are those are easy ones, and you want it pretty cold. Uh, you know, a lot of whites I don't particularly like that cold, but but Vermentino and, and Pigato I like cold. All right. What are you thinking to cook, or um, make? I'm thinking cherry tomatoes show up next week. You know me. I always want the thing that's not quite here yet and, and <laughs> yes. kind of makes me crazy. Mm -hmm. Like plums haven't come yet. 
and it's making me nuts because um, I always want to make sour cherry and, and, and methylene plum jam, but can't do that yet. Sour cherry is starting to come, but the plums aren't here yet. Um, but cherry tomatoes are what I want. And when, when they come, it's usually right in the peak of when you get the, the bigger growth arugula, like the really spicy, sharp arugula. And I want just a simple salad with have cherry tomatoes. There's just a big old mound of it, you know, mm-hmm. like, like you stacked up a thousand Christmas balls um, and mm-hmm. finally chop a, a lot of arugula, uh, salt, pepper, uh, little lemon, a little bit of red wine vinegar. Uh, really doesn't require all that much. Enough olive oil. And you could use something stronger there. You could use something from Tuscany, from Umbria, uh, from Sicily. Or you can even use like an arbequina, but the, the, those stronger olive oils with the arugula having a sharpness to them, a big old pile of that, uh, and then bruschetta, like grilled, you know, you, where you grill bread, like big slices of country bread, mark on both sides nicely. You rubbed it with olive oil and garlic. Um, spread a little bit of fresh ricotta on that. Uh, and fava beans are in season locally. Mm. Yum. And so, and so <laughs> that sounds it's a, good. It's, I like it's, the ricotta it, and the favas. It's a little odd to, to say, well, I want fava beans with my primary protein on a meal, but I do. I don't <laughs> and, I think it uh, sounds good. And you just crush those guys up uh, just a little bit roughly uh, right onto the bruschetta. And you basically are having a big old salad and toasts. <laughs> and uh, for, I mean, for that. With some you, delicious tomatoes. Yeah, that's that's the th- like celebrate it when the, celebrate them mm-hmm. when they show up. Mm-hmm. You can anticipate all the heirloom tomatoes and all the romas and all the linguices and all the other craziness that comes. But those first cherry tomatoes are always like, okay, here we are. But that's that's all. But you know, you're you're grilling bread slices for three minutes mm-hmm. is the is the uh, at most. That that is that is the only hot move in the whole thing. And and you want rosé. And I, you know what I opened yesterday? And, and I always buy, there's a producer in Provence, Tempier, right? T-E-M-P-I-E-R. Yeah. They it. produce red bundle uh, wines that are big and powerful and marvelous right on the seacoast of the Mediterranean that produces rosé from Grenache and Moved and uh, has some body to it, really good acidity has no problem dealing with tomatoes. But the 2020 that has just released, and it's not the cheapest rosé. It's not insane, but it's not the cheapest. Oh my gosh, it's good. And and lots of Provencal rosé will do well. Uh, but specifically from down there, you, you, you want that sharper acidity. The rosato uh, that you see from Italy, I, I don't know that I've had anything that is remarkable as that. You know that is and and that bright, that fresh, uh, as that uh, that tompier. So, but there's there's my first scenario. Okay. All right, Cindy, it's it's your turn, and make it make it picnicky this time. Yeah, well, you make it in a way that you want, because that's yes. how you are. So I was thinking, you know, a lot of people like to steam shrimp. And that's something you can do, you know, in the morning and have it done and have it in the refrigerator and be ready for lunch or a picnic in the afternoon or dinner, whatever you want. So I love watermelon and I know we don't have it locally yet, but it's, you know, it's, you can get really good 
watermelon. I like to buy seedless watermelons. They're also smaller, um, as well as that they don't have seeds. And um, the color is usually really pretty on a seedless watermelon as well. And uh, I was thinking it would be fun to cut just a large, a bunch of large pieces of watermelon. So I don't know, one inch by two inch or two inch square. And then uh, we can get fresh local ginger as well. And I've been making this sort of light dressing, if you will, or accompaniment to things that's finely chopped, just a little bit of finely chopped ginger and champagne vinegar. And then I add a little bit of the outside skin of the pink peppercorns and poppy seeds to it. And I think that and watermelon would be so unbelievably good together. And then you have your, you can either, you know, grill shrimp if that's what you'd like to do. And, and that as an accompaniment with a little bit also of uh, grilled jalapeno, or you could do fresh jalapeno and add it to the watermelon, just maybe do a really fine chop of jalapeno and sprinkle it over the top of the uh, watermelon pieces and then have the sort of champagne ginger business underneath. Um, uh, and then, and you could also dip your shrimp in that. I think that cold shrimp in that might be really, really, really good. The watermelon can be so refreshing and the chilled shrimp and is such a treat and, and, uh, having that bit of ginger champagne really wakes you, champagne vinegar really wakes you up. Um, I bet that's a hard wine pairing though. No, it's, it's okay. So uh, first thing I want to do is I want to monkey with your dish just a little bit. <laughs> you, well, I'm so impressed. I, I know you're like, oh, I'm so not surprised. Uh, I am so impressed that you're like all over that ginger now because you weren't that girl. Just right. like you weren't the cilantro girl and you love it to death. Mm -hmm. So what what I'm thinking is, would you in that dressing ever add a little bit of garlic and some cilantro? Sure. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and if, or you if could you add the And you could add the jalapeno right to it too. Well, I was going to say and, and some chili to it, whether it's jalapeno or another another kind mm -hmm. of chili. Mm -hmm. but dress that nicely. What about making little pinchos? You had me going with like the shrimp watermelon combination. Yeah. What about yeah. if you steam very small shrimp, you know, ones that would end up being a shrimp for a cube of watermelon mm -hmm. and make pinchos, you know, you just put a spear through both of those guys. Yeah, that would be fun. You, you, could, you could also put a cherry tomato on the end of that spear, <laughs> which would be nice with that dressing as well. And we give you some acid with the sweet, with the mm -hmm. double sweet of the watermelon and the, and the shrimp. But that, yeah, and I am getting. I got our first little uh, golden orange cherry tomatoes locally this week. So they are out there. They're so yeah. good too. And wine wise, what I want with that is is sparkling. I mean, I, I will admit, mm. I'm thinking specifically of of uh, how I monkey judicious to an hors d'oeuvre, basically. Um, but, I, but I want sparkling with that. I want something moussey and frothy and, and maybe a tiny bit sweet, you know? So mm -hmm. whether it's the champagne is a little sweet, but you don't have to do that. It could just be Prosecco. The alcohol is a little bit lower, and it's a little bit sweet. Maybe Nino, Nino Franco, who's an excellent producer, or, um, or like Zardetto, which is ubiquitous and inexpensive and, and tasty. I like the idea but, of that for a picnic. You know, something that's light and fun and no, lower in alcohol and yeah. Party on your porch, you know. There's a, there's a great past thing. <laughs> party and, on your porch. Yeah. So the, here's the party <laughs> for your porch. You, you do the bruschetta with the favas. You do the the pinchos with the the watermelon, tomato, and uh, and your ginger dressing and the shrimp. 
-hmm. you know, you do yep. a little Prosecco. Okay. And so, and so we'll have to figure out the rest of this party. Right. I, it's coming together without intention. Yeah. No. It's funny. But so that it, it seems like, Sandy, this is morphing into we're having a big outside party. So we and can. That's okay. That sounds good. It, we, we, it is we, almost we, the 4th of July after all. Because. You know me, I'm going to take anything you do and try to figure out how to turn it into tapas, right? So, <laughs> yes, which is okay. <laughs> anyway, so we'll, uh, we'll dig into this, this uh, light meal slash outside party <laughs> hmm. program on Formidable Phone Food and Wine on WIPR when we return. Welcome back to Foreman Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we are working on two things at once, right? <laughs> we, we, we were talking about um, light meal scenarios, like one hot item, you know, pair of wine with it. So you have like just a nice little scenario mm -hmm. for a hot day. We're in, the, we're in the, the peak of the summer, you know. It's begun to morph itself into having a party. So I think we need so, a chilled soup for our party. I think you do. That's uh, what. That's funny that you say that because I was going to ask for that, and I've been the guy who's been showing up with just a mountain of fruit for you. So, right. Uh, so, what do you gonna have, make? We have both white and uh, regular peaches, and um, you know, there's just nothing better than making that into a little little soup. I like to add a little creme fraiche to it, and typically with peaches, I will add brown sugar but I don't add very much. I don't want to take it to the point of it being a dessert soup. I want it to just have a little bit of that wonderful brown sugar flavor. And with the creme fraiche, uh, it helps to balance out any, any level of sweetness. And it also, creme fraiche pulls it together and gives it a beautiful texture. So I just do that in a blender. Uh, I do peel the, the fruit. So I take cut the skin off and then I cut it off the pit and uh, cut it into reasonable size pieces for the blender. And... Um, put that in with a, a little bit of brown sugar. I usually put the brown sugar and water in the bottom of the blender. You need some kind of liquid to get the blender going. So you, you don't want very much, maybe just just enough to cover the blade uh, uh, water-wise and uh, the brown sugar. And you can add the fruit and put the creme fraiche on top because then it will puree uh, the fruit quicker. And then the creme fraiche aspect will drop down into the pureeing fruit and you'll have a a, a perfect texture and it'll work well for you. Um, and then, you know, a little bit of lime juice is not a bad idea. It will help to keep it from the, the fruit from, um, oxidizing. And, uh, I like the balance of that as well. Having a little bit of lime juice in there. I also make a chilled cucumber soup, which I love very, very much. And I'm kind of addicted to right now. Like I could eat that right now too. So we're getting... Check the first one off the list. That qualifies for the garden party. You put it in espresso cups. Right. And uh, and that's no problem at all with a Prosecco. This kept you on a budget. There you go. So so, and the, so next, Cindy. And the chilled, <laughs> <laughs> the chilled cucumber and avocado soup. Um, and actually, I did make it for Julia Child's lunch that I did. And 
many over 20 years ago at Charleston and um, she loved it. So I've been, and that was the first time I ever made it, uh, chilled cucumber and avocado soup. And I've been making it every now and then since then. It's on the menu now. And um, so I use, well, we have local cucumbers coming in. I've never used a regular cucumber to make this soup. I usually use European cucumbers that, or I always use European cucumbers. Uh, they have almost no seeds in them. And um, so, but if you want to use local regular cucumbers, you just cut them, peel them, cut them in half, and then use a spoon to scoop out the seeds and discard them. And, uh, and then just cut that into, again, good sized pieces for your blender. Uh, get lime juice ready to go. Have your, I also put creme fraiche in this soup, but you don't have to. Um, I also make the soup without creme fraiche. Uh, and and it's, it's quite different, frankly, uh, with or without. So you decide which one you prefer. Salt and pepper is super important. Um, I have also put chicken stock in this soup before. I typically try to make it vegetarian, uh, but I have put a little bit of light uh, chicken stock in to help with the texture of the soup and, and it gives it good flavor. So that's another thing you could change about this recipe. Um, but let's just go back to cucumbers, the ones that are local that you had to scoop out the center, um, the juice of two limes, and uh, and now you can, and salt and pepper, and now you can uh, open up your avocado uh, and put the pieces of avocado into the blender on top again. That way your cucumbers can puree first, and then your avocado, which is thicker, will hit that. Um, and I would say about 70% cucumber, 30% avocado, or even 80% cucumber, 20% avocado, unless you really, really, really love avocado and you're just, but I really think, I think that's a good, 70-30 is a good ratio of product. And then a little bit of creme fraiche. I mean, you're talking about a couple, you know, probably a couple of tablespoons. Have you, you've done that with seafood garnishes before, haven't you? I do like it with, I like it with grilled shrimp, especially, especially if you have a wood grill. I like adding that smoky flavor to uh, the soup. Um, I mean, it just as a garnish on top. As a garnish, right. And um, I usually do large shrimp for that. So yeah, it's absolutely a garnish and um, not something you would put in the soup. Um, I will tell you that crab meat is awfully good with this. So if you wanted to pair it with a little, uh, like a little crab mayonnaise based salad on the side, um, you know, and if, you know, now that we've kind of turned this into a party or a picnic, uh, I think a little crab salad, which can be easily made. Um, I love, well, actually I got this idea from you, lemon verbena, um, lemon verbena oil with crab and a little bit of very finely chopped shallot and celery and salt and pepper. And you can either just toss it all with lemon verbena oil, or you can add mayonnaise and even perfume the mayonnaise with the lemon verbena, uh, or basil. Basil and and uh, crab meat are very good together. But right now, crab meat is so unbelievably expensive. This may not really be an option for people. So, but in the past, it could have been. Uh, it's a crazy year. I, I was even thinking it's it, and this sort of more it, it morphs into a different thing or a different question. But one of the things on my list was ceviche. Mm-hmm. And even just a little bit of ceviche, you know, it could be shrimp or scallop ceviche as as a garnish on the soup. Oh, that would be great. Would be, and, sure. and that's like, and, and that's making a meal. That's making like the big bowl of soup. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's not the little hors d'oeuvre. Make the big bowl right. of soup. And you have ceviche and, you mm-hmm. know, I, I, I don't know. What else, what else would you want with that to round out a meal? What do you think? Huh. Um... Well, I like the idea of a, of a tomato salad with that, but, um, you know, I think we can introduce some cheese here. So maybe you can get your hands on some good buffalo milk mozzarella, which the entire world seems to love. Well, you you do have 
uh, ricotta on the bruschetta, if that's still on the table. But I mean, or you could just add a piece of cheese to the table. I just got in a beautiful piece of pecorino. And it is just, I want I, the moment I cut it yesterday for the cart, I'm just, I'm like, wow, this feels like a summer cheese to me. It's high in acidity. It feels light on the palate. It's, it has a long finish, but it's, it's more of a refreshing kind of acidic finish on that pecorino. And it's a sheep's milk piece. So it, you know, it has that unusual tone of fat to it that sheep's milk produces. So just, I think a pecorino uh, would be a wonderful thing to have out for people to either cut for themselves or um, it's a soft enough piece of cheese and it's a pressed piece, but it's a soft enough piece of cheese that you could cut some slices ahead and, you know, not too far ahead. I'd keep plastic wrap on top of it or, or cheese paper on top of it until guests arrive. But you could, uh, if you did it right before the guests arrive, you could have it sliced for people as well. But if you have confidence in them cutting their own cheeses, I'd, I'd leave it as a, a gross piece and allow them to cut it themselves. You mentioned the pecorino, and that reminds me there is a, you know, a, a picnic dinner that my little girls love to have so much in the summertime. With lots, of, it's one. It, it I sort of came up with it because they didn't want to eat vegetables. They didn't want to. Eat, that's I mean, they're, they're little girls, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe some things once in a while. Definitely not a green leafy vegetable. And then, you, if you give them a really big, colorful display of, um, you know, little baby carrots that are like peeled and trimmed and right out of the ground, and um, you know the the local celery we've been getting, that's so marvelous. Just cut into little tiny pencils, and. You know, and just go down the line and sweet peppers and, you know, and cucumbers and so on and so on and so on. Uh, kind of whatever you want to put out there. But just make excellent hummus. You know, that's I know it's sort of ubiquitous these days, but one, you can make your own. It's it's not so tough. You have to come up with or or uh, the Egyptian dish that's very close to it, full, and you use favas for that. Usually some chickpeas as well, but 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 mostly that's favas. So it's a little bit a little bit more bitter. It's a little bit sharper. And it's just, honestly usually a little bit garlicky. Right. I would just encourage people that if they're making their own hummus that they use fresh garlic, not garlic powder. Absolutely. And I, I cannot stand garlic powder. Uh, I think it's just a horrible taste and texture and mostly taste and smell. I don't know what, what in the world it is, but... It just, I really like fresh garlic, and especially since you can get local garlic right now, why not use that? Well, yeah, I mean, it's the it's the, that green garlic that you don't even have to peel. That's the that's the best stuff of the year. Um, mm-hmm. But and and to me, the thing that makes all the difference is, um, do you have good sesame, and and are you using really good tahini, and mm-hmm. and don't skimp on the tahini. It's not it, the sesame should be the leading thing that you're tasting. It should not be uh, just like this note off on the side. Um, but uh, honestly, that pita and, and those slices of pecorino and good olives. Yes. Whether yep. it's, uh, you know, the, you, you mentioned the tagiashi olives, which are marvelous and have a sweetness to them. Nice, they're very much like Niswa's olives uh, that I know you also like. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my girls love Castavotranos because they're, pretty much perfectly round. They're like cartoon olives. 
Mm-hmm. And, and we get uh, Gordal olives too. And those are big yeah. daddies and they're super fruity. And oh my gosh, I love those. I bet your children would like those too. They're just fun because they're so big and they're, the flavor is amazing. Yeah, once in a while I can get them to eat some cher- some cherignolos, but hmm. but uh, if you if you really want to upset one of them, give one of those oil cured olives we get from. Uh, oh jeez, <laughs> Tony! <laughs> oh my god! Like, ah, it's probably like the me. most the most intensely flavored thing besides like anchovies that I can think of. Those those things are unbelievable. They're delicious. I love them, obviously, but I can't imagine a child liking them. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't either. That's honestly that's a. a <laughs> A very different bruschetta that that I like to make, where you uh, you have a little bit of that chopped fine with a lot of olive oil and a little bit of uh, of fresh herbs and a little lemon juice, and you have that almost like a little a little condiment, mm-hmm. and uh, do very th- very thin sliced uh, salami like finocchione something like that. Oh gosh, yeah, yum. You know, and, and and any kind of like just chopped raw vegetables. It could just be even mirepoix. You know that. The bruschetta, salami, a little bit of mirepoix, and that condiment. Mm-hmm. That's uh, yeah. The local celery is great too. Yeah, exactly. That's it, it. That's the other thing this time of the year that's kind of fun is you can cook something simply. You just grill a chicken breast, but make an interesting condiment with the things that are around available mm-hmm. that give things a punch of flavor. That's that's good fun. You know, Cindy, thinking about that that salami or even the um, uh, the hummus and all the veggies and the and the, the pita and all that sort of business, and with the pecorino as as a meal, I actually like reds. I like okay. lighter reds with 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 those two. Mm-hmm. Uh, a grape that you start to see more and more now, um, that is light but very flavorful uh, for reds that has the appropriate sort of acidity and intensity to handle things like this, these Mediterranean things, is uh, Norella Mascalese, which is the the primary grape that's grown on Mount Etna in Sicily. Mm. And, uh, and and there are more and more of the very good producers on that North Slope that, that are starting to come to, to market in the U.S. There, there's a grower that's been around for a long time, Terrineri, uh, but there's there's another one, Versante Nord. Uh, but that, that's something I would look for. And have those wines, like you would a lot of red wines, pretty cool. Like 55 degrees is appropriate. So if you've got to put it in the fridge for 20, 30 minutes to take the, you know, to get that temp appropriate, that cool, especially if you have maybe it's a little bit of a spicy salami in that situation. Or if you want a red that could handle the tomatoes that we talked about. That could certainly do it. We should, when we come back, we should talk about your latest sangria recipe too, since it is the 4th of July weekend. Wow. So I guess between now and when we come back, I'm going to have to come up with my latest sangria <laughs> recipe on Formative Wolf on Food and Wine on WYPR. Welcome back to Formidable Fun Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. 
and Chef Cindy Wolf. And we are、uh, going on and on and on and on about <laughs>、uh, reacting to the weather this time、mm-hmm. of the year and cooking lighter meals,、um, snacky meals, picnic Apparently meals. Apparently, we're having a party that we maybe didn't know having of. <laughs> a, 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 a little garden party, a por- party on the porch kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the time of the year for that sort、sure. of thing when it's not insanely hot outside, and not and not heating the house up, cooking maybe one thing in the house. So, do you have a next scenario, or would you like me to? I think it's your turn, Tony. Well, I just mentioned in the last segment small children,、uh, but I'm a large. You're、child. not going to cook them, are you? No. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I get may get frustrated once in a while, but probably probably not.、Uh, but as I'm a large child,、uh, like most of us are. I like pasta, and even though it's hot, I want to make pasta. I just don't want to make all the sauce and all the other business that goes with it this time、mm-hmm. of the year. Sure, having having a pot ready to drop really nice fresh pasta, that's easy. Oh, and、you、it's know, quick. It's quick. Well, especially especially if you have a fresh product.、Mm-hmm. You know, dr- dry pasta you're gonna have to cook it usually between like seven and eleven minutes, right? So, if if you do have a fresh product, it's two three and 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 you're、mm-hmm. done.、Mm-hmm. And All I want is simple noodles: spaghetti, tagliolini,、um, little tiny skinny guys. Because coming right now are zucchini flowers. Oh yes. And that green garlic. Mm-hmm. And, and yum. And that that is literally all I want is that and really good oil. <laughs> that 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 green garlic, you sweat it just a little bit in the pan, just a little bit, and you chop the zucchini flowers and an abundance of them. Um, pretty finely, leave a couple of them whole, and when you when you go in the pan that where you sweated the、uh, garlic,、um, you you begin to toss that to get the garlic through, but then you begin to toss the zucchini flowers, and you'll see it begin to color the pasta really strongly from the pistils of the zucchini flowers, which is kind of cool and. I always stop when it's kind of streaky,、mm-hmm. <laughs> so you can see you just didn't make some flavored pasta, but it's actually just that reaction. Yeah, it's beautiful. It absolutely is, and that basil, I'm, I will drive down and take it from your garden and <laughs> okay, and, and chop up a little bit of that as well. That's fine.、Uh, just kind of snip it with scissors and let that drop on there,、uh, and lots of Reggiano, really good olive oil, not too heavy. Again, like the Ligorian olive oil we talked about, Tagliashi.、Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that like, just right, on its own, you know, with a with a really bright, clean white. It's funny. It's a Spanish white that I like with that particular pasta the most. There's a grape from Northwest Spain and Galicia called Trechedora,、uh, and and there are excellent producers in an area called Ribeiro,、um, R I B E I R O. That that. Uh, like and there's a producer, and this is a, not an easy name. Erre de los Moros,、um, that that make really bright. It's not quite the saline thing you get from the Vermentino, because that's not what you want. And by the way, then yes, the one thing I'm allergic to in the world is anchovies.、Uh, you can make the same pasta, and with a couple of anchovies on there as a garnish as well. And、mm-hmm. I know it's got to be good. I love the taste of them. I just things don't go don't go well. <laughs> <laughs> If I consume them, <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't ever want so, that to happen again. Anyway, simple, very light pasta. It's funny sometimes I'll describe. Oh, it's a simple pasta, 
And they're like, oh, but I can't do all the, like, it's not just noodles with a the sauce. They're little touches. What what makes it really good are the little touches that, you know, and, and your process, your technique, because you have nowhere to hide, right? So here's a one pot dish that I was thinking about that I, I've never made, which is I was thinking about making crab risotto today. Oh. Yeah. And I mean, you can't add the crab meat on the heat. Oh, no. Or during the cooking process. It has to go in right at the end off the heat. But I was just thinking, oh, my gosh. And that would be incredible with some squash blossoms chopped up into it. So if I did that, if I made a, a light seafood stock, so I, we have lobster stock in house. And um, so I think I would use it unreduced, of course, so it would be light in, in flavor and uh, do a little bit of shallot and butter and uh, add, make the, the, the risotto with the, uh, the light lobster stock, add lemon to it, obviously. And then at the end, when you, you go to serve it, add those chopped squash blossoms and add a little bit of lump crab meat. Oh, I think that might be quite tasty. I think I just came up with a new menu item. Yeah, anyone can do that, you know. <laughs> well, and that that is, you know, a dish that's easy to make for a group of people because you can easily make a lot. You can feed everyone. I'm, I'm referring to risotto. Uh, so that is, and that is just one burner on. You don't have to go in, you know, your, your oven's not on. It's, it's, it's pretty simple if you are able to use your stovetop for whatever, you know, this event is, if you're having a party or if you're just making dinner. Well, I mean, that risotto as part of a meal is, is an easy rhythm because people can sit around the table while you work. They can mm -hmm. sit around the table yeah. and uh, the plates of uh, whether it's uh, uh, prosciutto di parma or you know, various salamis or speck. Uh, mm -hmm. For some reason, speck strikes me as a really good one to have before um, crab good. risotto. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, speck is laid out. You have a little toast laid out, crostini. Mm -hmm. um, maybe there's... Uh, uh, it's funny. You know, yeah, there, there, there could be cheese, simple cheese, light cheese. Uh, maybe robiola, something like that. I don't know. I, I am with the old Italian guys on the, like, I don't like... I don't want dairy with my, with my seafood, and that's that's one thing. Uh, it's funny if, if you ever go into an Italian restaurant and and you ask for cheese on your seafood pasta. Th there's a reason that people make faces at you a little bit. <laughs> you know, that's because it's sort of like ah. Oh, like that doesn't go together. Yeah, yeah. My what granddad would have hit me in the head if you did that. <laughs> um, if I did that. So so recently I got in a corbudo pork rack and unbelievable i mean if if you if people can get this product it it is the most delicious pork i've tasted ever and i would love the idea i know we kind of started off light and easy and now we can finish and, Come and, in. and now, you, now you're on a rack of pork chops oh i do <laughs> i do really badly and i think you do too if you eat pork because um it is it is uh, just a fine piece of meat and um it's this product comes from Iowa and uh you know the 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 whole way the animal is raised and fed and is extremely uh, uh particular and important um but the meat itself it does not have that big of a fat cap on it which means it won't you know just flame flame and flare up on your grill the whole time but I would love to grill uh over a charcoal grill especially uh one of those racks and you can easily feed 10 people with one of these things 
um, unless they're just gigantic eaters and maybe eight, but I mean, easily 10 really, it should be. And uh, I just marinated it with a little bit of corn oil and salt and pepper. I rubbed a lot of salt into the, the cap, the fat cap side and into the meat side as well. And a light amount of pepper and um, a little bit of light amount of uh, freshly chopped rosemary and let it marinate for about six hours before uh, cooking it. And I mean, if you cook that to medium, the texture of the meat is fantastic. You let it rest nicely before you go to slice that thing. And and also the meat, um, the way this one's cut, it has all the meat between the bones. It's not Frenched, um, so it has all of its meat down to its bone end. And that meat between those bones is some of the best pork meat you'll ever eat. So it's uh, it's a fun idea for a party or a large family group. Yeah, no question. Do you recall years ago... Um uh, we had a live program where someone called in ask, asking about spatchcocking a chicken. Oh, yes. Yes. Because so I've never you, heard of that. No. That's like okay. I've heard of doing a three-quarter bone out and flattening the guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, exactly. And, and and I had not either. But um, all the smart people with the cooking magazines at that moment were talking about spatchcocking. Which is still not an attractive thing to say. I, was say, I wish you would stop saying you, that. You call the call the police. You just spatchcocked a chicken. That's <laughs> <It's> horrible. <laughs> so, but that 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 being said, um, that you're you're. It is a technique that makes for a quick cook of a chicken. Well, it does. And you were talking about the charcoal grill, and all I was thinking is, uh, I want to marinate a spatchcocked chicken. Uh, Stab it, right? With with. Uh, Plenty of garlic and citrus and chipotles, mm. and uh, mm. for a bit, and yeah. just a little corn and a little corn oil. Grill it till it's almost falling apart. Cool it with its skin and everything, and then so maybe maybe you're doing this, you know, early in the morning or or the night before on a grill that's almost spent, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and then pick it all and. I'm just thinking. Okay, I, we never talk about tacos, oh, and the, the, uh, the, the, I'm thinking about the little girls. I'm thinking about summertime and what they want to eat. They want to eat tacos. I want to eat tacos. I know you want to eat tacos. Absolutely. And to have that chicken with that great smoke flavor, you know, cooked and cooled in its own fat, mm-hmm. you know, wrapped up nicely in that skin that kind of like will keep it as moist as possible. And it doesn't have to be like stewed, you know. You can just crisp it a little bit the next day in a pan with a little mm-hmm. bit of oil. It's already all seasoned nicely, you know. And then and then do your worst. So, what what are your favorite things to put on a, on a taco? Oh, what would you put uh, with that chicken? Well, the, you, the for the accompaniments, I mean, I I like jalapeno for sure, um, cilantro, and a little bit of. Uh, I, I like sour cream or creme fraiche, but not always. I think it depends on the way the meat tastes. But yeah, just just jalapeno. I, and I also put, see, I like Tabasco a lot, so I'll put Tabasco on everything when I have a taco. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. So I, there's it's, a, it's, a very, it's a very personal. <laughs> About the ta- way I do Taco toppings things. is a very personal <laughs> question, isn't it? Yes. People have, and they have strong <laughs> feelings about it. That's... Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I know you'd be shocked to know that I'm pretty old school. Like, I just... I just want onion and cilantro and lots of it, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know li- limes to squeeze on it. Yeah, I do like and, lime and on there. Yeah, sometimes you know, like 
put four or five fat slices of jalapeno on there's good <laughs> four, four or five yum yeah right. you know that's I, I like the crunch mm-hmm. yeah by the way we're really into grilling jalapenos for people that like spicy food these days so well, not these days. We've been doing it for years when I know that people might have an interest in something like that to accompany their food. So I think that's a fun thing for a party, too, is just, just to have a bunch of grilled jalapenos, you know, for everyone to add to things and or poblanos, which are oh, such a I just we have poblanos on our lamb dish right now, our lamb tenderloin. And every time because the window is so close to the level of my nose, I can smell the food so well, even through the mask. And um I just love the way poblanos smell and obviously the way they taste. But that might be fun, too, for parties just to have a bunch of those. And you can roast them, again, if you feel like turning on your oven. You can certainly roast them whole and then uh, let them steam themselves afterwards and, and pull the skin off and cut them in half and remove the seeds and the stem end. But uh, obviously, if you want to keep it cool in your home, you might want to grill them outside. You know what's, you know what's, salt and olive oil. Mm-hmm. You know what's coming up are Padron peppers. Oh, that's locally. always so exciting. Russian that's roulette the, the, of peppers. They're, exactly. That's exactly. And that's, that's a great party game. Everyone takes turns eating Padron peppers. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's standing out there like having a beer, having a glass of wine, just talking about having a lemonade, talking about whatever. And uh, like, okay, your turn. Oh, your turn. <laughs> your turn. Oh, so you, you, you grill the Padrones, you know, you toss them, you dress them. And, uh, but you literally grab them by the stem and pick them because they're a small pepper. Mm-hmm. You pick them up and eat them. And it's about one, they say it's one in 10, right? Mm-hmm. That, that is, blows your head the, off. The, that's the crazy hot one. And all the mm-hmm. others are really mild and have a nice flavor, you know, maybe it, and, and really a prized flavor. Mm-hmm. And man, so one time, uh, one of our farmers locally, uh, Richfield, mm-hmm. uh, Ian says, Oh, I'm, I've, you, know, you always want padrones. I grew some for you. This particular year, he grew them, but he he took them a little far. You're supposed to pick them when they're when they're small, and that's not always every farmer's instinct. And uh, he he grew them pretty big. The bigger they grow, apparently, the higher the odds are that you're going to get fried by one. You know, mm-hmm. so it wasn't one in ten. It was more like seven in ten. Oh gosh! So, so when I first moved into my house, I invited the neighbors from the street, a lot of whom I already had known, to have like a little open house, and I put out a platter <laughs> with with a platter with prosciutto, and I, and I you know passed little spoons of tuna. To, like I, I made a, ni- a nice little party for people. They're wandering around my living room and and kitchen and all this kind of stuff. And then I hear a, someone yelling from the other room. I'd send it. <laughs> I'd taken a tray. <laughs> I'd take, and, and, and this is a pretty, it's a lovely but kind of mild crowd of folks. Mm-hmm. I'd taken a tray. I mean, it's, it, I don't think there's anyone who has like long experience of like living in Thailand, you know, mm-hmm. dealing with spice all the time. I'd taken a tray of padrones that I'd blistered in a big pan in the kitchen you know, dressed and, and put out there and just said, people, hey, pick them up. They're delicious. So the first person that picked one up just got zapped. Oh, gosh. So I, 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 so I run into the living room and I'm like, hey, so you everyone okay? And he's like, oh, this is so spicy. 
Oh, you know what? You just made it better for everybody because there are 10 peppers there. That's probably the one. Oh. And like the next four people in a row. <laughs> oh, like, God. They're never coming back to your oh. house. They're like, you lie. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Turkey. Yes. <laughs> but you lie. They, they, were, they were delicious, you know? Anyway. Well, it's, we're, we're going to have to wrap it up. I'm not going to tell any more stories about tormenting my neighbors. Mm-hmm. So if you want to listen to this program or any one of our other podcasts, go to the WIPR website, WIPR.org. Look for the Foreman Wolf page, uh, and you'll see a full menu of topics that we discuss, fight about, take calls on, and so on. If you want to follow Chef Cindy Wolf on social media, you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter as Chef Cindy Wolf. My Instagram is the real Tony Foreman. And if you want to correspond with us, email us, foremanwolf at wipr.org. Thanks very much for listening. Happy Sunday.